class but the lesson plan he can't recall the student's eyes don't perceive the lies bouncing off every fucking wall the was well kept i guess he feared playing the fool the place the students sit and listen to that bullshit that he'd learned in school
lies. No more lies. No more lies. First and foremost, an affirmation is a love note to ourselves, from us to us. It's a movement built on love. We're a movement that is rooted in the principles of human rights, dignity, and respect. It was founded by three black women, Patrice Cullors, Elisa Garza, and Opal Tometi, who fought relentlessly alongside thousands of other people who speak out against the unjust killings of black men and women. We all have to think about why African-Americans, blacks, are often left out and feel excluded based on the way our society functions and moves forward. That although it seems like we only take to the streets and we march when black men are murdered by the hands of police, this movement is actually standing for all black 
black people. We are focusing on the issues of black incarcerated folks, formerly incarcerated folks, black folks who are documented and undocumented, who are working class, who are poor, who are unemployed, who are cisgendered and transgendered and gender nonconforming. Black Lives Matter is about peace, it's about bringing people together, it's about fighting for justice, it's about solidarity, and it's about unity. Terror and love do not go hand in hand. And unequivocally, without a doubt, Black Lives Matter is a, a group of people that love each other and love even those who are not engaged in the movement. And so terror has no place among us. America needs to know that the time is now for a change. These are systems that are executing objectives and people, and that can't continue. Protesting and speaking out is one of the most American things you can do. Pro-black isn't synonymous with anti-white or anti-cop. And if it hadn't been for the voices of those who dared to go against the grain, those who dared to be the difference, we may not be where we are today. Silence is complicity. And refusing to speak up, write about, or protest against the despicable treatment of black lives in America essentially shows that you're on the side of the oppressor. Why does society dictate that my life matters less than yours? If I could tell the All Lives Matter crowd one thing, I would say to check your arguments. Really educate yourself about what Black Lives Matter means. Do your research on housing segregation, racial disparities in income and education, and mass incarceration, and you'll realize why we need to say Black Lives Matter. All lives won't matter until Black Lives do. Hey, and welcome to the Weekly Review. It's, uh, it's, uh, Roman Reimer here. And, uh, yeah, just starting off the show with a, uh, request from last week, Rage Against the Machine, uh, for Danny. Uh, take the power back. Then also played a few clips. Uh, whew. Uh, I, oh, I don't know why I'm so jumpy. Uh, yeah, played a few, a few clips. Getting started here. Uh, welcome to the show. It's Friday. It is July 22nd, 2016. Um, we'll be having uh, Diamond Dave calling in. Uh, he has been at the Democratic National uh, Convention uh, with Food Not Bombs uh, serving folks. And it uh, looks like he's on the phone, so we'll get him uh, on, the, on the line. Hello. 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 So that'll be happening uh, <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, so yeah, so I wanted to start off the show with playing, uh, there are a couple of clips out there uh, from folks uh, representing uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. So wanted to have that, uh, have their voices be heard and um, just, yeah, have that out there. It's been uh, a week indeed. Uh, speaking with J.D. Buell, who has the show on before us here, and he was also mentioning, yeah, it's been quite a week, and I feel that every time I come in here. And there's also that idea that there's always been uh, there's always been a lot of things happening, and now people are just becoming more aware of it, uh, whether that's due to like cell phones and or social media. And there's always been a lot of violence happening in the world, and some folks have not been exposed to it, and now more and more of it is coming out and more and more people are becoming aware of it. So uh, hopefully folks will wake up and uh, learn to see what we can do to, to step up to stop the violence that's been happening for quite a long time. 
I put out a call today on Facebook, which I think I'm not a huge person in social media. It, it bothers me a lot of the time in how I think it can be used for a lot of good and a lot of connecting and a lot of sharing information and a lot of folks supporting one another. And then at times it can also be used for folks to put each other down, which is, uh, and have conver- like there can be conversations that can be really constructive and helpful and uh, people can teach and learn. And that was a, there was a rally yesterday outside the OPD as well as at Oscar Grant Plaza. And one of the speakers said something really incredible um, that was, uh, everyone has something to learn and everyone has something to teach. And imagine if like every day we kind of went through that with just everyone, every conversation we have with one person, you know, teaching something and also learning something from them, uh, instead of either, <laughs> I guess not doing either, which could be kind of problematic. So I put out a call that was, uh, folks have, you know, said with the upcoming election, Many folks I know are not happy with either of the choices that we've been given. And then also a lot of folks have been joking or saying, oh, I'll just move to Canada or I'll move away. And that's been a a constant theme. And one question I have is, well, what can we do uh, instead of having that? Because not everyone is going to have that option. And also uh, by leaving, what what does that say Um, instead of staying and trying to fight what's what's happening? And we think back to... uh, fascism that's happened around the world and for folks who have had to uh, flee to escape and then also remembering that there have been people who stayed to fight and I'm wondering if even if this is I mean first of all how can we prevent this from happening and of course one can also say that there are a lot of uh, fascistic is if that's even a word uh, behaviors that are happening in this world as it is and in this country as it is um, with law enforcement, certainly, and with the prison industrial complex and the illusion that, I guess, based on, some people have more freedom than others is is the uh, something that comes up a lot as well. So what are we doing to actively change that? And I have a few ideas that I'll go over. Um, I encourage folks to, you know, speak out. Like, there are a lot of folks who are really there putting their bodies on the line, like, literally, like, when there are confrontations between white supremacist groups and there are folks who go out there and throw down. There are those those folks. That's one way. Another way, I feel, is to uh, speak up and to challenge a lot of the systems that are in place and work to dismantle them, whether that be uh, systems of law enforcement, the prison industrial complex, the military, government. I know I'm going very, one could say anarchist there, uh, but when these, when white supremacy has infiltrated these systems that have a lot of power and use it to hurt and, and murder people, then they have to be dismantled. And I think uh, that's, I don't know how one can really argue with that. How, how can you say that these systems that are in place if we know for a fact that they are hurting people um, and we're not somehow talking about it and holding folks accountable and working to change that, um, whether that's through defunding, divesting, anything, creating new ways of being, um, it's, it's right here. It's kind of, it's happening right now. So yeah, and I think it's just to have conversations about it and to be educated and to also question a lot of the, the news that we hear and the stories that we hear, big media. We know it's like owned by six companies, so a lot of the stories that we're getting are not true and they're kind of selling us on fear. I do think fascism is something to be afraid of, but we have to stop it first. So, uh, but in terms of being afraid of each other, 
I mean, that's the, the main thing. If we actually talk to each other, we'll realize there's not really anything to be afraid of. And if the fear was to stop, then that could change a lot of ways of being, and that would be a good thing. Something else, creating art, going to see art, supporting artists is a big thing. What do you got three had the on his guitar? This machine kills fascists. So creating art, which also encourages people to think. Self-care is a is one way to combat that. The powers that be don't want us to take care of ourselves and each other. And if we do that, that's uh we are saying that we we do deserve to be here. So that's something else. Gardening, growing food, sharing food, that's one thing. Working to live in a world without weaponry and without guns. I think that's pretty good. So, yeah, there's a lot of ideas. Teaching. Teaching is another thing. There's a lot of uh, activism, community organizing. There's a lot of different ways that folks can go about uh, doing this. So if you have any other ideas, please feel free. You can come by the station. We're at 21st in Florida in the Mission. You can also call in 415-550-0511 and showing up. Uh, supporting folks. Um, if you can't show up, you can also, if, if you're able to support financially, whether that's through like, through bonds, um, there's a lot of folks who have been arrested for protesting, so you can show up and support financially that way. Um, there's a lot of different ways folks can be involved. Uh, speaking up is a big thing. Speaking up is a really big thing. So I encourage folks to do that as well. So those are just some ideas. Please, please call in, share your ideas. You can also, they're on the Facebook, Facebook, I know, which is super problematic. They censor things and their ads and all that stuff. For the time being, though, it's a medium that we use. And we've got Diamond Dave on the line. So we're going to listen to Diamond Dave. Hello. 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 You're on the air. Hello. Hi, how are you? Oh, we're doing well. Uh, it's a hot day in San Francisco. I mean, a hot day uh, outside of Philly. Here we be with a shining light uh, kitchen, a kitchen bus, and we're waiting to roll in, to get the word to roll in to where exactly we don't know, but there's going to be a place where we're going to feed the people, and people are coming from Hither and Yon, take that marches, protests, or just to be here, exercise their First Amendment rights, can be, and to um, be, be with one another. We did this four years ago. In fact, I remember calling in there from Tampa Republican Convention. Oh, wow. Tampa, Florida. But right now we're being, uh, we're right here, oh, right, so right outside of Philadelphia, an hour or so, in a really good space, waiting to... Uh, Waiting to get the word to roll in, which should be coming up six. That's great. And, uh, so you've been doing this for yeah. for a while now, then working with Food Not Bombs at the uh, national conventions. Well, this we have, we have but uh, this is not our Food Not Bombs, but the Rainbow uh, Rainbow Family. It just happened mm -hmm. that this year our gathering. And please, if you have any questions about it, please. Uh, I might have some answers. If you have any answers, I might have some questions. <laughs> Sounds good. But, uh, this year, we have, well, I don't think sound good. We're making it good. But we're, we're, we were, this year, we're in the Green Mountains of Vermont. And uh, so it, was, uh, it wasn't a long roll to come down, to get down here to Philadelphia, and uh, to get down here to Philadelphia, where there's a to feed the people, 
And uh, since a lot has happened, since security is high, since the politics is uh, is kind of complicated, what's going on outside the out, outside the, the Wells Fargo Arena, mm. where, the, where the convention is being held, and uh, Wells Fargo, uh, we're waiting to hear where to come. Yes. And this is, uh, and we're. Uh, I want to bring on Felipe, who's been on. Uh, He's been on my show many times. This is a Diamond Dave, by the way. And so I'm going to pass the phone to Felipe. He's got his perspective. Great, thank you. What's going on? Hi, Felipe. Hello. Yeah, good afternoon, relative. How are you? Good, how are you? Thank you for for speaking with us. I I just feel like, you know, we're, we're at a stage in life right now with the world the way it is so confusing and so so much violence that we're here to heal global wounds and part of that is by sharing the sacred food with these relatives that are in need and and spreading the word of, of love and by sharing so this goes back in time to biblical days when uh, there was the fish and the bread and all this you know relate to that and so we're going to do that shortly here in a, in a sacred way we want all you folks out there to understand about uh, this is America, but we have to stand up for our rights, or, and they're eroding all the time. I'm asking you relatives out there to get up off your doves, man, and stand up for our rights as human beings to walk this planet. Yes. And don't, don't take things so don't take things for granted. You know, there's a lot of folks that are suffering in this world. Yes. We have a lot of refugee camps over in other parts of the world. We have children that are suffering, people that are hungry. We need to we need to heal global wounds and by our actions with each other. So I hope that out there in, in uh, Radio Land that folks can understand what I'm saying is uh, look within your hearts and see how you can make this world a better place for us to exist for our children and our grandchildren and the coming generations. So yes. I want to leave it at that and say thank you for all you relatives in San Francisco area that within range ear range of this. We send our love from Pennsylvania. And we're out there representing you too, so come join us. Wonderful. And God bless. Itakoyase. Yes. Yes. Sending much love, love to you as well. Yes. Uh, it's really good to hear about what folks are, what folks are doing out there. So, are we still there? Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello. Uh, we lost you for a minute. Did you hear Felipe? Yes. Yes, we did. Yes, it was great okay, to hear. Okay, we heard you. I heard Felipe. Yeah. Now, uh, anyway, and he and I, it was the Kid Village Kitchen, and for many, we have this. Uh, um, for many of you, we have another better phone to play in case we uh, fall off again. So let's keep going. Today we were in Tampa uh, four years ago. We were in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Republican Convention. Yes. We were in L.A. We've been uh, in L.A. We've been uh, and, uh, every four, almost every four years, we'd, uh, we've been uh, setting up and feeding the people. Mm-hmm. Now, added to the mix is my brother Lucid, who his long history is with the Shining Light Kitchen which shined a lot of light at the Rainbow Gathering, and I'm looking at it right now. It's right here with us where we are, and at uh, six, uh, six, I'm going to turn the phone over to Lucid. He's going to talk a bit about uh, whatever he wants to talk about, 
uh, certainly Shining Light and the journey, uh, the magnificent adventure, the great adventure, and the journey that we're on. Hey, uh, hey, Lucid, here's the phone. Hello. Hi. Hey, uh, I really pre I appreciate all this effort and focus that's going into this event. Um, this uh, seems like uh, this groundswell of of energy that's rising around the particular flavor of uh, democratic socialism that Bernie Sanders is talking about is reflecting a general tendency within this generation to kind of apprehend the reins of global civilization and mm. like, modify it in such a way that it becomes symbiotic with the ecosystem yes. rather than so parasitic upon it. Yes. It seems as though the, uh, the awareness of this, uh, of this generation of human species in general is at this moment just starting to increase faster than the mechanism of civilization. Mm. Wow. I, I really appreciate uh, being able to be a part of it, and I encourage anyone else uh, that's uh, feeling this uh, desire, this kind of in, uh, overarching desire to be beneficial and to help out with the project to work in uh, aid organizations or political organizations or anything they can that's contributing to the, the general expansion of this awareness that's realizing uh, we need to be symbiotic as quickly as possible with the ecosystem before we eliminate it. Yes, yes. So what well, is I, I appreciate your program and I appreciate uh, being able to be uh, to be a part of it. Absolutely, thank you for for sharing your experience with us, and hopefully it'll get some folks to be become more motivated to to take action and to take part. Indeed, peace and love. Peace and love. And 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 uh, and, uh, and uh, Lucid and his crew. We're not just talking. We're all aware of what's going on. Now that we have to face Trump. Trump and what's happening to the Republicans more than ever. Yes. And now that, uh, and so many people who were supporting, uh, Bernie Delegates, and who were supporting, but Bernie and others will be coming in. Hopefully they'll join us out here. People will be fitting with people and we're saying, come and dine, it's no crime. Come and eat, it's quite a treat. And I want Lucid to talk about, be well, I talk about what he's bringing along, because we're not just talking about good symbiotic politics, all this is wonderful. But what we're about is making it real. So, Lucid, why don't you talk a bit about shining and shining light at the Rainbow Gathering with their TPs, with their constant cooking, with their feeding of people in Main Circle, with them providing a place where people could have workshops, help really change the um, change the Rainbow Gathering in a good way, uh, in that uh, they, they, had, they had a multitude of TPs where people could do workshops discuss that's where I, in fact I did the do I was I did as I do every year a uh, my my open mic for the spoken word and this year it was uh, it was in one of the big very big teepees at shining light so shine uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the practical side of what we're about how we're making this real yeah um this is lucid again so I guess uh, physically shining light started uh, in in the rainbow uh, and since 2012 has been trying to maintain this uh, deficit of food that had been putting out at, at Main Circle. So we, we make 200 gallons of food every day wow. uh, during the main days of the gathering, um, as well as bringing in uh, filtering fresh water uh, and, and a similar quantity. But we've uh, just recently started moving into this uh, aspect with uh, uh, workshops, as Diamond Dave was talking about, having um, 10 teepees, uh, capable of holding a total of 500 people. The, the largest one is 35 feet wide, and uh, just providing a space for people to be able to share skills, ideas, and perspectives. Mm. And 
kind of uh, connect on a, on a, a, an intellectual and emotional level, uh, as well as providing that kind of base requirement of uh, food and water and sanitation. That sounds wonderful. Most recently, the kitchen, uh, the Shining Light Kitchen, is trying to uh, move into doing uh, humanitarian aid and disaster relief in Central America. Mm-hmm. So we've been uh, uh, trying to scale up the size of it every year. It's gotten to the point where there's uh, 10,000 pounds of gear moved on a, a school bus and a 40-foot trailer. But it, it, the desire of the kitchen is for it to do uh, humanitarian aid and disaster relief both in the, in the United States and uh, in Central America. So we're just uh, just now moving into that direction, but this is the the perfect kind of uh, application for um, being able to bring people together in a workshop space and then feed them on a on a physical level, so that we can uh, maintain this this type of uh, communication and awareness that we've been seeing growing. Great. That sounds great. And I'm sitting in my right here, Sister Lisa. Lisa first matter she began uh, putting on these began scheduling these workshops on the TVs. We've you've heard about this plan the plan now to take this across the country, take this across the country, in fact across the borders, you know how we say, take down the walls, open the doors, get rid of the borders too. Yes. Families, bands, tribes, yeah. collectives, I believe in that. The borders just align on their map. But here's my sister Lisa, she's to go about I'd like her to talk a bit from her perspective how this is happening and where we go. Hello. Hi. Um, my name is Aloisa. And um, so what I'm really, what I, excuse me? Are we live? Oh. Um, and um, I'm really interested in education as a human right, promoting education as a human right, mm-hmm. and um, actualizing different modes of taking away power and um, institutionalism, uh, fascism from people that have Oh, hello? Oh, it looks like we may have uh, dropped the call. Hopefully they will be able to uh, call back. I really loved where that was going, though, because that's exactly what uh, one of the topics we wanted to discuss today is how to dismantle uh, fascism. So hopefully they will will call back. Listening to the weekly review here on Mutiny Radio, we're located on the corner of 21st and Florida in the Mission District of San Francisco. You can call in at 415-550-0511. And we got the call back. Hello. Are you there? Yes, yes. Yeah. You heard, uh, Alicia was just a bit, I'm going to hand the phone back to her, because uh, as you can see, we're, not, uh, what, what we're, about, we're certainly about on, on Nutty Radio, certainly the comments made collective, and what you do, Roman, is part and parcel of uh, being a voice yes. of all of this. Am I right? Yes, you are. A voice, and, and also I've been uh, encountering other radio stations. I'm going to be on, on my way back. I'll be back, uh, I think, uh, first Friday in August. I'll be back there live. But I'm stopping in Lafarge, where Organic Valley is up this lot is, and I'm going to be on their radio station, which is called Driftless Radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, and I begin hearing about other radio stations, that these, uh, these uh, Internet stations are popping up all over. That's and great. And uh, I think it's time for us to make a lot. But I want to, I want to, uh, Eloisa, 
I want to pass your phone back to Eloisa because she was in mid-flight and really putting forth a vision. Yes. And it perhaps go away, perhaps go what we're about. Yes. Eloisa. Hello. Hi. It's, um, <laughs> thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm working with Shining Light uh, and Lucid and Diamond Days here in Philadelphia right now. And um, we're interested in feeding people at the DNC. And moving forward with Shining Light, my role is hopefully to continue to work toward educating people for free about mm. the most important things, um, the most relevant things to lifestyle change, being beneficial, empowerment, and um, peaceful revolution. Mm. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I have a degree in philosophy, and I've been um, working on this sort of thing for for the past five years. I'm really I'm really interested in psychology, and and um, I think that most of our basic problems just come from the fact that information is hard to have access to and yes. hard to sort through. Yes, yes. And if you're not informed and if you don't have access to information, um, you can't make intelligent democratic decisions. Right, right. Yeah, so... Um, so, Rowan, so what are you talking about? Yeah. Exactly what about. <laughs> Other than that, let's see... Um, it's beautiful to work with such a motivated crew. Yeah. Uh, everyone's really excited and has a lot to put into, a lot to contribute yeah. in every different way. Um, and that's what community's about. And again, community's an important aspect of peaceful revolution because we have to support each other so that we don't have to rely on institutions that abuse us. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Totally. Well, it's like totally. we're, we're told that those are our only options and that we can't trust one another. Exactly, right? Exactly, that we, we shouldn't trust one another. And especially from an educational perspective, I mean, if you know something, if you know how to build an oven, uh, you know, from mud and stone, or if you know theoretical physics, if you're passionate about it and you believe people should know it, I, I think that it's about sharing that with your community for the embetterment of the community, not for the embetterment of the self as an individual. Right, right. And, um, and then through, through sharing and through open source types of venues, we're able to um, establish better control and uh, over what, what kinds of impact we want to have Mm-hmm. with our lives yes. and also um, then it's just it's more dynamic for our species to to not limit our creativity and our our science to um, the kinds of institutions which demand that we pay to enter yes yes Whew. yeah yeah well it's awesome to find uh solutions and ways to kind of work around the system and to challenge it and to provide alternatives for people because once they're all alternatives uh that's kind of all we need really exactly exactly you can't have you can't have um a peaceful revolution without examples and without alternatives and that's what we're building right now is we're building systems that 
um, that empower people, and we're not interested in, in forcing people into ideologies or forcing people into change they, they don't see themselves as necessary and reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's definitely just about giving people the, the option to empower themselves and giving them the resources for that because uh, intentional communities and alternative lifestyles, I think, are at the core of, of people evolution because if, if, we, um, if we can, on, an, on a community level, change the way that we're interacting with our environment and with each other, uh, it spreads out in complexity like a network just by, via us uh, taking control uh, over our autonomy and, and th- by, helping, by helping each other yes. uh, truly in the most beneficial ways. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing with us. And it's, it's mm, very absolutely. inspiring to hear because I think a lot of us, we all have something to, to, to share with others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so we're going to Alisa and we're going to be crossing the country. Uh, putting so what I hope to happen is we're putting forth these words. And connecting with our fellow human beings. Yes. And hopefully, hopefully women. Yes, yes. Really that uh, sometime, very soon, they'll be sitting in the studio with you and us, and we'll be sitting in the studio, and, uh, and with, the, with the experience of this cross-country tour they're on. And I, I starting uh, tomorrow, we hope, meeting the people, we'll be able to meet and converse with other people similarly inclined um, out there, and we have real conversation outside the outside the DNC, and hopefully the Bernie delegates will say, "We'll hear what's going on, and come and join us." And maybe Bernie himself, he's done what he's had to do for, for an old man. Well, I'm old, but anyway, he's done really well in bringing people together. Now it's up to us to take it further. I believe. Yes. Do you hear me, people? Yeah. And I, I'm, uh, you can feel my enthusiasm. Yes. You know, I, you know, Roman, and people know how long I've been part of this. Yes. I think it's a new, it's a new day, and uh, that love is a key to our, love is a key to our anarchy. Yes. I have oh, a, I have a question well, for you, so, Dave. Uh, sure. Uh, if you got a question, I might have an answer. Yes. If you have an answer, I might have a question. So many folks have Go been ahead. comparing. Many folks have been comparing 2016 to 1968. And I'm curious, as someone who was there, um, especially with what's been happening at the conventions, what is the, what feels similar to you and what feels different? Well, back then, 67, 68, uh, on that street called Haight, and the people that left Haight Street and went off and started communes, the word commune was in the air. And uh, we have a word collective, and I think it's very similar. The idea of a collective autonomy, which is uh, Kirsten, who was killed, Killed down, uh, killed down in New Orleans. My sister Kirsten, you know, uh, proposed a theory of what the theory called collective autonomy. Autonomy that wherever we are, let's get together, our fellow human beings, um, uh, brothers and sisters. And something we didn't have then, we didn't have then, was this device, these devices where we could uh, the, the, these uh, social media kind of devices. We could connect, could connect with people like ourselves all over the planet. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And the very fact, woman, that you're doing it, that her sister Val is doing it with the women's magazine, and then we come together as a common thread collective. I believe that there are others too, and I believe this is happening everywhere. 
that people are coming together to cast that wide net, to find that common thread, to let the life flourish, and I'll just say, don't panic, keep it organic. Yes. And it's true, I was there in the 60s, a lot of them were, were went to... Uh, uh, were, people are talking about the end of people talking about arm struggle, things of the weather underground and going underground with arm struggle and so on. But no, I think we've learned since then that peace is the way, and um, peace is the way. And by then they look around, well, we're, we're already succeeding. We're already doing what we're doing. And I have one more thing, and this one uh, that, uh, that you've heard, uh, I've heard my line, which is Goddesses Galore, Sisters Glorious. I believe this is also a time that where the women are stepping forward, and I think it's time that the sisters are stepping forward, Eloise's age, and others are stepping forward, and that's what uh, that's another thing that's happening. Yes. And uh, and uh, back in the day, we said they talked about smash patriarchy. Yes. There's still that patriarchy, but now it's time just to go around it and keep doing what it's doing. Do what we're doing, what we're doing, with the sisters stepping forward, and that's what I'm about. And also with uh, men stepping back. That's what men stepping back, women stepping, and of course I say transgendering all past categories. We welcome all cool folk. Yeah. Out here at the cutting, out here on the cutting edge. Yes. Of social, yes. cultural, yes. political, and personal change. What do you think, people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. I love it. Right on. Yeah. And we're out here, and it's about right in front of the bus, waiting to get the word, and we're going to roll into Philly. I'm going to call again yeah. after uh, 6 o'clock our time. Okay. And hopefully I'll have, and people would like to call me. Please do. My number is 415-240-0286. And the studio number, right, is 415-550-0511. So it's 415-240-0286. Zero two eight six. The phone is right here in my hand. That'll be over my heart. And uh, the, the studio line, call in and let us know what you're about. Let the world know what you're about. This is a good thing. And, uh, and let's do it. And the future is bright. That's why we call. The, uh, this is called this. This is this message is called what? The shining what? Shining light. Shining light. Right here. Awesome. Catch that shining light. And people. And anyway, I wish this was a video. We could show you. Where we are and what is there, and how beautiful it is. Hey, thanks a lot, brother. Thank you, you so much. Questions? Oh, no, thank you what? so much for calling in and for everyone who spoke. Yeah, thank you. everybody who spoke, thank you. But no, no thanks is necessary because we're doing what we're doing, and it keeps us happy, solid, and moving. Is that right? Mm -hmm. It's what life is about. All right. It's called love. Love, love, love. I'll be calling back again after, after 3 o'clock. Uh, which is past six o'clock our time. All right. So I should have some further, further, further info. Keep up the good Roman to be con uh, to be continued, and folks will see me back. I think the first Friday in August. Sounds great. Well, all things sound great. Hey, Roman, I'm, we're gonna make it great. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Wonderful. Fuck yeah! <laughs> right on. Thanks again. Uh, thank you so much for calling in for everyone who spoke. Uh, just great to hear, folks, uh, that what, what everyone's up to. So I'll be playing, uh, doing a little bit of a music break, and then we'll be back with some news stories for everyone. Put a there, boy, and we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do. Right. 
Venenos tus monólogos, tus discursos incoloros. No ves que no estamos solos. Millones de polo a polo, al son de un solo coro. Marcharemos con el tono, con la convicción que basta de robo. Tu estado de control, tu trono podrido de oro. Tu política y tu riqueza y tu tesoro. No, la hora sonó, la hora sonó. No permitiremos más, más tu doctrina del shock. La hora sonó, la hora sonina del shock. La hora sonó, la hora sonina del shock. La hora sonó, la hora sonina del shock. La hora sonó, la hora sonó. Países solo corporaciones, quien tiene más, más, más acciones. Tosos, gordos, poderosos, decisiones por muy pocos. Constitución, pinochetista, derecho, pues de hilo fascista. Golpista, disfrazado de un indulto elitista. Cae la gota, cae la bolsa, la toma, se toma la máquina, rota la calle, no calle, la calle se raya, la calle no calle, debate que está ahí. Ya todo lo quitan, todo lo venden, todo se lucra, la vida, la muerte, todo es negocio, todo tu 
tutto semilla pascuola metodo seguro bene nostros monologos tus discursos incolores noves que no estamos solos millones de polo a polo al son de un solo coro marcharemos con el tono con la convicción que basta de robo tu estado de control tu trono podrido de oro tu política y tu riqueza y tu tesoro no la hora sonó la hora sonó no permitiremos más más tu Queremos erradicar que la educación sea un negocio, que la educación pase a ser un derecho social. Este movimiento eh, social ya cada día es más grande. No solo es algo de movilizarse, salir a las calles a protestar, sino también de crear compromiso y conciencia dentro de todos los compañeros que participan. Golpe a golpe, verso, verso, con las ganas y el aliento, con cenizas, con el fuego del presente, con recuerdo, con certeza y con desgarro, con el objetivo claro, con memoria y con la historia, el futuro es ahora. Todo este laboratorio que a diario, todo este fallo, todo este económico modelo condenado de dinosaurio, todo se criminaliza, todo se justifica en la noticia, todo se quita, todo se pisa, todo se ficha y clasifica. Tu política y tu táctica, tu típica risa y ética, tu comunicado manipulado, cuántos fueron los callados, pago guanacos y lumas, pago guanacos y tunas, pago guanacos nos suman, cuántos fueron los que se robaron las fortunas. Tus monólogos, tus discursos incoloros, no ves que no estamos solos, millones de polo a polo, al son de un solo coro, marcharemos con el tono, con la convicción que basta de robo, tu estado de control, tu trono podrido de oro, tu política y tu riqueza y tu tesoro, no, la hora sonó, la hora sonó, no permitiremos más, más tu doctrina de And welcome back to the weekly review. That was a pretty lovely musical break. Uh, that last song we heard was by Anna Tiju, the song called Shock, and that was for Carrie who requested that last week. Before that, uh, Nina Simone with Mississippi Goddamn, and that was for Stan who requested that last week as well. Before that, we heard The Regulator by Bad Brains, and before that, All You Fascists Bound to Lose by Woody Guthrie, and let's hope that is true. Okay, so. Uh, I like to have positive news stories on the show because there's a lot of negative things happening and depressing things that are happening, and it's important to to recognize what's happening that's upsetting, and then also pay attention to the positive things that are happening. And uh, as I say, pretty much every week, the positive news stories is pretty much when something bad has been corrected, or when something negative is prevented from happening, or when something that should have never happened in the first place is changed. You know, like we could talk about Roger, I'm not going to talk about it, but Roger Ailes, for instance, who's asked to leave Fox after sexually harassing many, many people, even though he got a settlement and he's got another job, so that's kind of shitty. That's not what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, he should have even been there in the first place. Maybe that is kind of what I'm talking about. So one story, uh, Norway is the first country to ban deforestation. Deforestation shouldn't have, why in the first place is that even happening? This is the world that we've been brought into. Uh, The fact that they're banning it, though, that's a good thing. Uh, It's, you know, we talk a lot about social 
justice and then there's also environmental justice uh humans have pretty much destroyed the earth i think it's safe to say so anything being done to stop that from happening is a good thing so we'll just read this quickly and then get into some more stories and this was written by elise uh wanchell and this is from the huffington post uh, this is an important victory in the fight to protect the rainforest. Again, if we don't have the earth to support us, then there's going to be nothing. Uh, Norway is so woke to deforestation, it's the first nation to outlaw it. On May 24th, Norway committed to zero deforestation, reports UN partner Climate Action. The groundbreaking move means that the nation pledges to ban any product in its supply chain that contributes to the deforestation of rainforests through the government's public procurement policy. It is an important victory in the fight to protect the rainforest. Over the last few years, a number of companies have committed to cease the procurement of goods that can be linked to destruction of the of the rainforest. Nils Hermann Ranum of Rainforest Foundation Norway said in a statement on the organization's site. Until now, this has not been matched by similar commitments from governments. Thus, it's a highly positive it is highly positive that the Norwegian state is now following suit and making the same demands when it comes to public procurements. The foundation has campaigned for years to make this a reality. At the UN Climate Summit in New York in 2014, Norway, Germany, and the UK pledged to promote national commitments that encourage deforestation-free supply chains through public procurement policies and to sustainably source products like palm oil, soy, beef, and timber. According to Climate Action, production of palm oil, soy, beef, and wood products in seven countries with high deforestation rates, Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Paraguay, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Papua New Guinea, contributed to 40% of total tropical deforestation and 44% of associated carbon emissions between 2000 and 2011. This is not Norway's first anti-deforestation radio rodeo either. In 2008, Norway gave Brazil, which is home to 60% of the Amazon, $1 billion to help fight deforestation. And Brazil delivered. By 2015, the South American nation reduced deforestation by a whopping 75%, saving more than 33,000 square miles of forest and keeping 3.2 billion tons of carbon dioxide kept out of the atmosphere, an amount that's three times bigger than the effect of taking all the cars in the U.S. off the road for a year, which I would love, according to National Geographic. Other countries should follow Norway's leadership and adopt similar zero deforestation commitments, Ranum said. In particular, Germany and the UK must act following their joint statement at the UN Climate Summit. So that's something that is great. Something else good that's more local, also having to deal with the environment, and then we'll get into some social justice issues. Uh, this is local. Alameda County first in Bay Area to ban fracking. That is good news. And this comes from the Mercury News, and this was written by uh, Dennis Cuff. This came out um, on Wednesday, July 20th. Oakland, Alameda County on Tuesday became the first Bay Area County to ban fracking. A coalition of environmental groups had worked for more than two years to persuade county leaders to ban fracking and other high-intensity oil recovery practices to protect against pollution of local groundwater. The Board of Supervisors approved the ban 5-0. to zero. Fracking uses pressurized water and chemicals to fracture tight underground formations to get at petroleum. While no companies frack in Alameda County, groups such as Food and Water Watch, the Sierra Club, 
Club and others say they want to prevent the practice from taking hold in Livermore Valley, where it could threaten wine, grape, vineyards, and tourism. Okay. About 20 people waited for more than four hours through a Board of Supervisors meeting Tuesday to voice their support for a ban. It's the only way to protect our environment from the destructive effects of fracking, said Kiana Tsao of the Sierra Club. Alameda County is a community, not just a commodity for the oil industry. Some property owners and representatives of drilling rights owners uh, oppose a ban, arguing a ban amounts to an illegal taking of their property rights. The only oil driller in Alameda County, E&B National Resources in Livermore, has said it could live with the proposed ban after it was modified earlier this year to soften sections the company said could disrupt its 30-barrel-a-day operation. Amy Roth, a spokeswoman for E&B, said Tuesday her company has not fracked at the site. Alameda County's ordinance is part of a grassroots strategy by environmentalists to seek bans one county at a time after Governor Jerry Brown said he opposes a statewide fracking ban in oil-rich California. Environmentalists are also working on drawing up a ban in Santa Clara County. Voters in Monterey County, the state's fourth-largest oil-producing county, will vote on a fracking ban on the November ballot. Santa Cruz and San Benito counties already have fracking bans. So, that's some good news for folks taking action and protecting the earth. Again, the fact that fracking even exists in the first place is kind of sad, but anything we can do to stop it from happening more is a good thing. Moving along, um, oh, all right, we'll get right into it. This There's a lawsuit happening uh, because people, okay, we'll get right into it. This is from Think Progress, and our, our, the uh, writer of this article is named Casey Quinlan, and lawsuit, trans students made to wear green bracelets to ID themselves, and this came out on Wednesday, July 20th as well. Two federal lawsuits, one from a transgender boy in Wisconsin and another from a transgender boy in Maryland, assert that schools are discriminating against trans students by making them use unisex bathrooms and locker rooms. The lawsuits both describe the school administration's decision to give trans students the option of either a unisex or girls' bathroom or locker room as stigmatizing and humiliating. The Talbot County, Maryland student called MAB in the lawsuit is interested in joining the school soccer team Uh, but said that the lack of locker room access makes it difficult to participate or bond with other boys. The single occupancy bathroom is also far from his classes, forcing him to wait longer to use the bathroom than other students and has made him late to physical education class. The Kenosha, Wisconsin student, Ash Whitaker, who, due to medical issues, has to drink a lot of water, tried to stop going to the bathroom at school, endangering his his health. The the Wisconsin lawsuit notes other problems with how the school treated Whitaker. He was repeatedly called by his birth name and referred to with female pronouns by school staff, wasn't allowed to run for prom king until the school received a petition and media scrutiny, and wasn't allowed to lodge with boys during school trips. The district also requires staff to make Whitaker and other transgender students wear green bracelets, identifying them as transgender to staff, which caused Whitaker to worry about stigmatization and harassment, according to his lawyers. The school eventually instructed security guards to ensure Whitaker didn't use the boys' restroom. This March, Whitaker was told he would need to get medical documentation ugh, to use the boys' bathroom. 
His mother contacted his pediatrician, who sent the school a letter recommending he would be allowed to use the boys' bathroom, but to no avail. School staff wanted official documentation of a medical transition. Fucking assholes. This year, a spate of legislation was introduced in several states that would require trans students to use bathrooms according to the gender on their birth certificates. In some cases, lawmakers suggested students should be examined before using the bathroom or locker room. It's disgusting. Some school districts and institutions of higher education have suggested students use unisex bathrooms, but trans students have pointed out that these bathrooms can be inconvenient or stigmatizing, as the boys' lawyers wrote in their lawsuits. In response, the Obama administration made a clear statement in May affirming that trans students have the right to use the bathroom that corresponds to their gender. And an April decision from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Fourth Circuit ruled that a school's decision to restrict a trans boy from using the boy's bathroom was a violation of Title IX. This doesn't mean schools have immediately absorbed the message, however. For example, in May, not long after the Justice Department advised North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory not to implement HB2, a law requiring students to use the bathrooms aligned with with the gender recorded on their birth certificate, one North Carolina school board member said that the school board let students carry pepper spray in case the law didn't go into effect. Depending on how the courts rule on the bathroom issues, it may be a pretty valuable tool to have on the female. St- it might may be a pretty valuable tool to have on the female students if they go to the bathroom not knowing who may ca- come in. Uh, the school board member Chuck Hughes said Hughes later told BuzzFeed News he changed his mind on allowing pepper spray and insisted his comments were not related to LGBT people. A University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee student, Justine Kramer, who is a non-binary trans woman, also dealt with resistance to allowing her to use the bathroom best, corresponding to her gender. In January, she was kicked out of the women's locker room and asked to verify her gender. After she filed a Title IX complaint, the university introduced a new policy, but still didn't allow her to change in the locker room, which forced her to use the family locker room, which was inconvenient and didn't have access to a pool or sauna. The university has since introduced a new policy. Wisconsin is one of the states suing the federal government over this directive that states allow trans students to use the bathroom corresponding to their gender. Oh, that is just so disheartening. And Wisconsin, we all know, has a terrible, there's a lot of terrible governors out there. Scott Walker being one of them. He's the governor of Wisconsin, and he's extremely reactionary and a pretty despicable uh, person with what he's putting forth. He's also funded by the Koch brothers. Uh, There's no good things to say about this person at all. And the fact that he's in power and has any power at all is just a disgrace. So um, sending much love and support to all the folks in Wisconsin who are fighting against um, what he has brought on and what these folks, uh, whether they be in schools or in government, are continuing to enact. Um, I think it's, it's, it's really quite disturbing. So, ugh, just, yeah, I find that to be very, very disheartening. And, and you, should, you should, too. Uh, no, no question at all about that. Okay. So... Uh, there's another story that uh, kind of goes along in line with this, and this was a survey taken um, for trans folks. I don't think I was I was interviewed for this, uh, but um, yeah, many folks were. This is comes from the Human Rights Campaign, which is a tricky organization that a lot of us fully support because they tend to really prop up uh, wealthy white gay cis men. Uh, anyway. 
they did do a survey or they presented a, presented a survey a survey one third of transgender people avoided food or water due to restroom discrimination and we can see this is just uh in line with the story we just uh, heard about and this comes uh, july 15th and was written by gabe murchison in the past year alone nearly one third of transgender people have avoided eating or drinking for fear of problems in gender segregated restrooms according to new results from the u.s trans survey this disturbing finding actually i think i did take this survey this disturbing finding was just one of several statistics driving home the devastating effects of restricted restroom access among nearly 30,000 transgender adults who participated in the 2015 survey six in ten avoided restrooms in the past year a quarter had been told they were using the wrong restroom, and 8% had developed a kidney or urinary tract infection due to avoiding public bathrooms. North Carolina's deplorable HB2, which became law earlier this spring, was one among more than 50 attempts by state lawmakers this year to write anti-transgender discrimination in law. Many, like HB2, focused on restroom access. The survey findings make clear just how harmful these bills are, and how any attempts to claim they provide safety to people are misleading. 12% of transgender adults have been harassed, attacked, or sexually assaulted in a restroom in the past year. In contrast, law enforcement officials and sexual violence experts say that ensuring access to gender-appropriate restrooms poses absolutely no risk to non-transgender people. HRC has worked with advocates and community members in North Carolina to press for repeal of HB2. Last week, it submitted an amicus brief, joined by 68 major companies, urging courts to block the law's most discriminatory components. With transgender rights at the forefront of much political discussion, HRC has partnered with local and national groups to air a powerful TV ad during the Republican National Convention. The ad features a transgender woman told to use a men's restroom at a restaurant until two female bystanders usher her into the women's room. The National Center for Transgender Equality's U.S. Trans Survey is the largest survey of transgender people ever conducted. In August and September 2015, tens of thousands of participants shared their experiences with discrimination and violence, along with information about their health, careers, school experiences, and other areas of life. The data will give researchers and advocates an unprecedented look at the challenges facing transgender people across the U.S. The National Center for Transgender Equality expects that the full survey results will be released in late 2016. So, don't really have anything to add to that. Um, so there's an there's always there's lots of stories and of course the media when the media does actually cover transgender issues quite often it can be biased or not really dealing with the heart of what's happening um or we hear hear from caitlin jenner i am so i have a a lot of part-time jobs and one is that i uh, get background work as an actor um on film and tv and oftentimes with with film and tv there's a lot of waiting around you kind of like they're filming something and you might not be especially with background work you might not be in in the scene so you read or you talk to people and you're, you're on set but you're not or not even on set you're in holding so quite often uh one of my favorite parts about this is actually just meeting different people and having conversations and i usually i can't really make small talk so we end up talking about politics and what's really happening in the world and recently i so i met another actor and uh I think they were talking about the Wachowskis, the sisters, and I eventually just added myself because I feel like the need to a lot of the time. And uh, this person asked me what my, or what our, I guess the the thoughts were on Caitlyn Jenner uh, 
endorsing Trump. And uh, I was very clear to say that uh, she does not speak for the community and she does not represent the community. And I don't know a single trans person and the hundreds of trans folks I've met who would endorse someone like that. Um, and then that night, it doesn't, it doesn't just end with my waking life where it's like, ugh, the world we live in, gross, right? Uh, even in my dream, I met her and I was like having a conversation with her about why supporting someone like that uh, is inappropriate and really irresponsible. Like for someone who has that much attention, I guess I could speak for both of them in that way, um, but for her to be somehow to think that she even represents the community when she doesn't, um, to speak highly of someone who is a fascist to, to speak highly of someone like that is really um, inappropriate and irresponsible and it definitely does not represent the trans community at all and it's a shame that for the folks who are looking for sound bites who are looking to see what do trans people think the fact that she's the person that people go to to interview is uh, quite sad because she does not represent us I feel like that's very fair to say and I don't know a single trans person who, who, would, who would argue with me maybe they're out there but I haven't met them yet so with this triad of trans stories, there's there's a lot more things happening too, but I wanted to focus on something positive because there is a lot of people being more and more out there and, and being open and progress being made and a lot of folks working to ensure that people are treated fairly. It's not asking for special rights, it's asking for equal rights. And a lot of that comes into with healthcare and many, many people have been mistreated in the medical system. Um, you know, whether whether or not getting uh, things covered or even just being respected by medical professionals, it's really it's really gross. So um, this comes from the National Center for Transgender Equality, and you can find them at transequality.org. And this was on their blog. Um, so Wednesday, July twentieth, um, there's some good news. Pennsylvania Medicaid removes trans health exclusions. This is really good news for folks in Pennsylvania. On Monday, the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services announced that the state Medicaid program will now now cover all medically necessary gender transition services. This exciting policy change brings Pennsylvania's Medicaid program into compliance with the Federal Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, which prohibits blanket exclusions of transition-related related care, Medicaid programs, and most other health insurance plans. Pennsylvania is the 12th state, in addition to the District of Columbia, to explicitly cover transition-related care in their Medicaid program. This victory uh, is means uh, that low-income transgender Pennsylvanians can have access to the medical care they need. The program will determine whether a procedure is medically necessary based on the widely accepted guidelines set by the World Professional Association of Transgender Health. The announcement follows another important health care win in Pennsylvania in April of this year, when the Pennsylvania Insurance Commissioner issued guidance banning transition-related exclusions in private insurance plans in the state. And you can find the Department of Human Services guidance documents, and they have links on this page, which I have included on the Facebook Weekly Rev page. It's facebook.com slash weekly rev. Uh, NCTE worked with Equality Pennsylvania and the Mazzoni Center to help the Department of Human Services develop this important guidance, and we congratulate all the state advocates who worked on ensuring that transgender Pennsylvanians can access life-saving care. We continue to work with other states 
to update their Medicaid policies to include transition-related care and come into compliance with federal law. If you have faced discrimination in health care or health insurance coverage, including Medicaid, check out our Know Your Rights healthcare resource or get legal help, and they provide links as well. And again, you can find this article at transequality.org, and this is on their blog. And again, the title of the article is Pennsylvania Medicaid Removes Trans Health Exclusions. So that is some pretty great news. Should we keep going on with the good news? Well, I don't know if it's good or not. Um, okay, this is going to go into the uh, the RNC, which is a pretty terrible thing that's happening, I'd say, overall. Uh, um, and then we'll, we'll take a music break and then have some more news stories. So uh, quite a few folks are closeted, and I'd say the most openly homophobic people are the ones who are closeted, and this just kind of goes to prove that this is true, and there's an article both in the New York Post as well as The Advocate. Male escorts are making a killing off closeted gay Republicans at the RNC. Now, my my personal philosophy is that no one should be outed unless they are outwardly um, openly homophobic and or passing anti-gay legislation. I think it's only fair that folks who um, want to pass legislation that prohibits other people's rights when in th- they themselves are kind of doing the same thing, I think they should be outed immediately. And and I have a lot of respect for sex workers, too. So I have much more respect for sex workers um, than these closeted gay Republicans. So um, sending a lot of love to all the folks out there who are dealing with some of these closet cases who uh, are just self-hating and self-loathing. And perhaps I should be more loving and say, um, may, instead of wishing violence, I wish that folks can come to terms with, with themselves and their sexuality and own up to it and and be, be out and be out to the people in their lives. And if you are in a position of power to really uh, do something good with that privilege uh, instead of passing laws that harm people. That's my little spiel. Okay, this is written by Nico Lang, and this came out July 22nd. That's today. All right. It's a boom time for Cleveland's male escorts. Since the Republican National... This comes from The Advocate, by the way, too. Okay. It's a boom time for Cleveland's male escorts. Since the Republican National Convention came to town on July 18th, sex workers told the New York Post that business has never been better, fueled by closeted conservatives looking for discreet action. One escort reported that he'd seen 10 male clients in the past week. Most of them were first-timers, an anonymous source told the Post. You could tell they were nervous, but once they became more comfortable, they seemed to be having a good time. Since Monday, another sex worker claimed he made five to six times what he normally earns. On an average week, he's likely to bring in 200 or $300, but since Monday, he said that he had earned $1,600. One man said he's been raking in more than $800 per day at a rate of $250 an hour. The average client, according to the escorts who spoke with the Post, is between 40 and 50 years old. Many of them are married politicians or delegates who are staying in hotels downtown near the convention, held at Cleveland's Quicken Loans Arena. Oh, that's a, what a great name for an arena. When it comes to anything people aren't supposed to be doing, they like to do it, one escort argued. The Republicans have a lot of delegates in the closet. Let's put it that way. In addition to seeking services from male sex workers, the Daily Dot reported that there's been an influx of men using Craigslist to look for casual encounters with other men. Married guy seeks another married guy at the RNC, reads one ad posted on the site, while another states, RNC visitors looking for a sub to use and abuse. You want to take a break from your delusions, wrote one poster. 
I will host or travel. You will kneel and beg. The influx of same-sex hookups is ironic considering the party's own stance on LGBT people. This week, the Republican National Convention passed what many believe to be the most anti-gay platform in GOP history. The GOP reaffirmed its position that marriage is a union strictly between one man and one woman. Of course, well seen people on the side, apparently, uh, while referring to the Obama administration's position on transgender bathroom access as illegal, dangerous, and ignores privacy issues. They should just go fuck themselves. I don't have any, I just don't have any love for them. I'm sorry. The platform states, we salute the several states which have filed suit against it. Fuck them. Ugh. Anyway, back to peace and love. While gay escorts are profiting off the GOP's platform of shame, women have not been quite so lucky. Has business been better for me? One female escort told the Post. Honestly, no. And again, that's no surprise. Misogynist, anti-gay, a lot of closed, closed off people, closeted people in the RNC does not surprise me in the least. Not a fan of them. And um, putting the energy out there to, to out some of these guys, seriously. Um, if they're going to be creating laws that harm people when they themselves are gay, I think they should be outed entirely. So more power to the sex workers out there. And let's maybe bring some... Uh, I don't know what, but just some truth and honesty to the folks who are closeted passing these really reprehensible laws and reinforcing their terrible, hurtful, and harmful rhetoric. Ah, <sighs> all right.
weekly review that was angelic upstarts with police oppression before that one of my favorite songs of all time manic street preachers with if you tolerate this then your children will be next and before that we heard reagan youth with usa okay so i do promise that i do read some positive news stories so there'll be something positive and then something not so positive because uh, can't pretend the things that are happening are not happening. So this is something good, good news coming from Canada. We often get, times get a lot of good news happening in Canada. And this is from the CBC News. Ontario to take back control of private super jail. Maybe we could learn that here in the States. There's a lot of, there's far too many prisons. There's far too many private prisons. Um, the idea of getting the private prisons out of the way first, I think, would be the best step. And so this came out, this was, oh my gosh, this was a long time ago. This is a long time ago. This is an old news story, but we're going to read it and going to see if maybe, 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 maybe something similar can be done here. So this happened in 2006. Uh, So Ontario, this will be a new segment called News Stories That Are Kind of Old and Hopefully Inspiring to See What Can Be Done Here. Ontario to take back control of private super jail. Canada's only privately run jail. I guess they only have, they only had one. We have... a lot. Uh, one jail in Penatang, Penatung, oh my gosh, Penatangusir, 
Ontario will return to public control on Saturday after a performance evaluation found a public jail of equivalent size had better security, prisoner health care, and reduced repeat offender rates. The Central North Correctional Center, one of two identical maximum security super jails in Ontario, built by the former conservative government, houses more than 1,000 prisoners and has been under the watchful eye of a private firm for the last five years. The other jail in Lindsay, near Petersboro, Peterborough, was kept under provincial control. We found that in basically every single area, the outcomes were better in the, in publicly, in the publicly run facilities, Ontario Community Safety Minister Monty Quinter told CBC. The government initially turned the pen, penitentiary, penit, it's really, penitentiary jail over to a private firm with experience running similar facilities in the United States. But six months ago, as the contract was set to expire, the government compared the two institutions and found the private jail fell short. The report comparing to the two prisons found the private jail also used fewer staff and ran fewer programs to help inmates. It will cost $4 million to transfer the jail back to public ownership, but the government insisted the decision to make the change wasn't ideological. I have no real problem with the concept of it being run by the private sector, Quinstead, uh, Quinn, Quinter, Quinta said, but in the end, the results just don't justify it. Apples to apples comparison. Longtime critics of the facility have said the government's review gives credence to opponents of private jails around the world. It's the first time in the world that there's been an apples to apples comparison of two identical facilities, said Sharon Dion of Citizens Against Private Prisons. But even the review acknowledged it had some shortcomings. Because of construction delays at the private jail, the review only looked at a, a year's worth of data and couldn't show how it performed over a longer period of time. Most of the employees, including corrections officer Ken Neal, will become public servants. Neal said he hopes life will get back to normal when the transition is completed. Hopefully, people will be able to go home at night and not be so stressed out because of the uncertainty, he told CBC News. So we kind of know that the private jails here are fucked, and uh, the, even the, the, the public ones here as well. I'm a pr personally, I'm a prison abolitionist. I believe we could have a world without prisons. I think that would be incredible. And locking people away, uh, locking nonviolent folks away um, doesn't help. Punishing people doesn't help. The idea is if you want to rehabilitate people, rehabilitate people, treat them like humans, help them. Don't, uh, don't punish them. Don't keep them in solitary confinement. Ugh, don't keep them away from their friends and family. Like That's just disgusting, and it's wrong, and it causes more harm. It causes just harm. That's what it does. So maybe... Perhaps I'm naive, but maybe we could work towards that in the future. All right. Next up. Uh, this comes from U.S. Uncut. Uh, while we obsessed over Melania, U.S. airstrikes massacre scores, uh, massacre scores, uh, airstrikes. While we obsessed over Melania, U.S. airstrikes massacre scores of civilians Massacre, Scores of Civilians in Syria, and this is written by Tom Cahill, and this came out on July 19th. As many as 77 innocent people or more, including 11 children, were killed during U.S.-led coalition airstrikes performed in Syria over this Monday and Tuesday. According to agents France Press, AFP, the U.S.-led airstrike in Manbij, Syria, targeted the group of civilians, mistakenly identifying them as ISIS-affiliated fighters. The number of those killed remains unclear, though AFP and the New York Times reported that 56 civilians were killed Monday and another 21 killed Tuesday. Dozens more have been wounded. 
Other reports vary, however, and estimate higher numbers. That school housed displaced people from neighboring villages, Abu Omar al-Manbiji reported to Syria Direct, a nonprofit reporting agency that works on the ground in Syria. So far, we count 124 dead from the attack, and that number could very well increase. The UK-based Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, which tracks civilian deaths in the area, reported that 104 civilians, including 29 children, 16 women, and 8 prisoners, have been killed in the area since the start of June, and they confirmed at least 11 children died in these latest strikes. And the article also includes uh, photos uh, from the, the shelling. Manbij City is one of the most barren regions of Syria, with the UN Commission on Human Rights estimating approximately 70,000 civilians have been stranded in Manbij as fighting between ISIS fighters and Western-funded rebels intensifies. In a public statement, human rights group Amnesty International condemned the airstrikes as the largest loss of civilian life by coalition operations in Syria. There must be a prompt, independent, and transparent investigation to determine what happened, who was responsible, and how to avoid further needless loss of civilian life. Anyone responsible for violations of international humanitarian law must be brought to justice, and victims and their families should receive full reparation, said Magdalena Mugrabi, the interim deputy director of the Middle East and North Africa program for Amnesty International. International humanitarian law requires all parties to a conflict to prevent the needless loss of civilian life, Mugrabi said. Even if coalition forces believe that fighters from the armed group calling itself Islamic State were present around al-Tukar, they should have taken the necessary precaution to identify who else was present to avoid or at least minimize civilian casualties. As of this writing, there, have been no, there has been no response to the airstrikes by U.S. President Barack Obama or Secretary of State John Kerry. <sighs> So, in with the idea of the 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 U.S. led military wanting to attack terrorists, they have murdered civilians, and in doing so, uh, one would one could argue that they will only create more folks who are angry at the U.S. and want to hurt the U.S. This is what happens when when folks go in and murder people and also the idea that they haven't even that they i I guess i think they oftentimes say it's a it's a mistake yet when there's like that it's uh it's just like this hypocrisy it's it's, uh because when other folks when there's attacks that happen by other places then it's like oh they're terrorist attacks and they're evil yet if uh, the u.s does it somehow it's a if the u.s kills civilians then if they even admit it then it's it's a mistake uh, and it's just, it's disgusting. I am very much for the end of the occupation. I'm end, the end for the state. I'm the end for occupation and for borders, uh, all of this, all of this. Uh, and I would imagine that most people, many people are as well. And just because it's not affecting you directly, uh, doesn't mean that, uh, I mean, if it affects one person, it affects everyone. That's that's what I'm trying to say, really. And uh, also just the idea that the news hasn't been covering it, which kind of goes back to the point I was talking about at the beginning, where we're only told certain things that are happening and we're told to focus on the RNC. And I do believe, yeah, um, they should be held accountable and we should pay attention 
to the danger that they're presenting and then also recognize what we're doing for the folks who are in power right now, what they're doing and what we're doing abroad. So there have been quite a few protests at the RNC and um, there's a, some footage of a woman who was holding a sign that said, no racism, no hate. And one with common sense would be like, yeah, no racism, no hate. That's a good sign. Yet folks were, this is at the RNC, folks were trying to cover her up and take the sign away. And they're trying to cover up the sign with the American flag, which pretty much just says it all right there. Uh, so there's a video footage of that. Um, there are also folks who are protesting outside. And um, so the RNC, and I'll play a clip from them right now. I'll start from the beginning. We're here to build a wall that Donald Trump has been asking for, but not at the border. We're here to wall off his cage. Scared. We're scared of his policies and what they're going to mean and how they're going to affect our communities. I'm undocumented myself and I'm an immigrant. Do you have any fear about coming out and saying you are undocumented? No. Uh, I'm unafraid and apologetic. We're here today calling on people across the United States to stand up. No longer be quiet. Don't treat this as a joke. This is serious. We're saying we're not for that kind of video you can find on uh, Al Jazeera uh, AJ plus and also they had um, uh, an info like a statistic that was I wanted to read out loud so they had um, while that was playing this I said uh, so heavy police presence guarded the RNC doors and they have footage of the folks who are um, who are protesting and then there's one statistic I wanted to mention uh, as soon as that comes up, I will share that because there's, uh, yeah, here we go. So Obama's government has removed at least 2.4 million unauthorized immigrants. We'll say that again. The government has removed at least 2.4 million unauthorized immigrants, and that's pretty fucked up. So there's always, I every time I do the show, there's like, oh, I didn't get to this story and this story, and there's like just so much happening, and I think it's really important to get to as much as possible and also just recognize the common enemies and the folks who are kind of removing bodies and um it's it's it comes back to the state pretty much i think that's pretty much it in the state and the folks who work for the state the idea of uh, whether it's through deportation whether it's through prisons whether it's through the police force whether it's through the military whether it's through passing laws that harm people it's one can find these uh these um these patterns and uh if we can kind of unite um against these forces that are oppressing many of us uh then we can win so a few other things a lot of other stories happened i'll just go over them very briefly um i i apologize for not giving everything the full 
attention, but again, we only have two hours, so two hours for 24 hours and seven days a week of, of events happening, so I'll do my best. Uh, one is that the Chicago, they had a lockdown at Homan Square, uh, one of the nation's largest black sites where over 7,000 people have been disappeared, uh, most of them black, and they're calling for full divestment from policing and investments in black, and, and uh, full divestments from policing, and they want to invest in black communities, and the hashtags are freedom now, hashtag fund black futures, there's also is a similar uh, call um, at the Black Lives Matter protest in Oakland. And also in Oakland, uh, protesters uh, chain themselves um, to uh, the doors of the police union building in Oakland overnight, and they're there for 13 hours. And uh, so Black Lives Matter protesters, um, they spent the night outside the Oakland Police Union headquarters, and some were chained to the building. Um, one one demonstrator said this symbolizes how the black community feels and they say uh frangie poto says and i quote we are physically changed as well as metaphorically when we are trying to find jobs um and changed they say change okay and the continual racism and discrimination we face just by being black as well as trying to find housing um I'm assuming that the author of this article means chained. Uh, the group took over the police union headquarters and credit union, posting signs that say Black Lives Matter. They want the city to stop funding the police department and instead use that money to invest in black futures. The Oakland budget is drastically weighted toward funding the police department, said protester Carissa Lewis. We want 50% of the police department funds to go to the black community, specifically to mental health services as well as housing, because what's happening is a lot of black people have been displaced, Poto said. The police were monitoring the crowd. Protesters say they plan to stay through the night, and they did. Um, also, we heard that 62% of Oakland's budget goes to the police. That's a, that's a lot of money. So 62% of it is going to the police, which we all know are super corrupt and causing harm. So asking for half of that is to actually go to the communities. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. The communities need to be supported. If communities' resources were supported, if people had housing and food and health services and access to jobs and were not being attacked by law enforcement, that's kind of what we need. So, yes. So definitely wanted um, to share that. Um, a lot of scary things happening in Turkey. Uh, I spoke to a friend of mine who's from Turkey yesterday, and it just sounds very terrifying. And so one thing that's been happening... Um, during this coup, and there's also just people are unsure of actually what's happening. Because again, what's reported, who knows what's true, what the sources are, what transpired. And uh, the Turkish Higher Board of Education has prohibited all academics from traveling abroad, according to local broadcaster TRT. And it says it comes shortly after the government ordered the resignation of all university deans, namely 1,577 people. Also, the authorities canceled the licenses of 21,000 private school teachers, bringing the total number of dismissed professionals to almost $60,000, according to Bloomberg estimates. Academics around the world have expressed their outrage at the situation, too. Fiona DeLondres, professor of global legal studies at the University of Birmingham, has launched an online petition to support academic freedom in Turkey. And the anonymous hacktivist group has also condemned the crackdown on education and media, urging to pay attention to the upcoming publications on the WikiLeaks whistleblowing website. On Wednesday, access to WikiLeaks was blocked in Turkey after a cache of some 300,000 government emails went online. The purge comes as the government suspects the academics of links with the U.S.-based cleric Fetullah Gulen, who denies claims that he was behind the recent attempted coup. 
PM Benali Yildirim said the preacher led a terrorist organization and pledged in a speech to parliament to dig them up by their roots. Uh, Gulen, in his turn, hinted that Erdogan may have staged it himself. The Turkish president called the claim nonsensical. The U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry said that Turkey would need to provide evidence, not allegations, against the cleric currently living in Pennsylvania in order to have him extradited to Turkey. And from what I've heard um, is that folks there who, anyone who has spoken out against Erdogan, have, they've been threatened or arrested, and that's pretty terrible. So perhaps in the U.S. here we can take that as a warning and um, as to, to, to really stand up and to, to fight against any kind of dictatorship and any kind of fascism and want to send a lot of love out to the folks in Turkey. Uh, there's no happy ending to the show. Usually, occasionally, I'll end on a story that's a little bit more positive than others or a happy song. Um, the, I mean, the, the, the struggle continues, I guess. And we'll think back to the call that we had uh, from Diamond Dave and all the folks at the DNC doing a lot of good work. And I guess that's all we can do is continue to help each other and do a lot of good and stay aware. So, oof. I'll end with a song uh, by The Coup called Not Yet Free. And stay tuned because Val will be in next, Global Val with Women's Magazine. That'll be in uh, around 2 o'clock, followed by the Common Thread Collective. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. Uh, we've got lots of shows here every day of the week. You can listen in mutinyradio.fm or also on iTunes. Come by the station, 21st in Florida, in the Mission. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll be back uh, next week.
my time thinking about the ultimate gang. Can I get my crew together, pull a move on the bank? I be the picture perfect hustler for the piece of the pie. But my daddy always taught me just to reach for the sky. Now my dream and aspirations go from single to hoe. As I realize there's a million mother 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 the code. No need to be told, cause when you got a million pounds, get gay by a few that are rich and evil. But it's a leap to wonder how they live in fact. One, two, three. Everybody get a get. Thugs, dope dealers, and pimps. Basketball players, rap stars, and simps. That's what little black boys are made of. Sluts, depress the naps around your neck. Broads pop that coochie hoochie, stay in check. That's what little black girls are made of. But if we're made of that, who made us? And what can we do to change us? The oppressor tries to tame us. Here's a foot for his anus. Well, since the days when I was sitting in diapers, it was evident the president didn't like us. Assassination attempts, I'd root for the snipers. My teacher told me that I didn't know what right was. Well, she was wrong because I knew what a right was. And a left and an uppercut, too. I had a hunch of sucker punches, what my people got. That's why I was constantly boots, red, boots, black. Boots, man, you want to throw some shots? Oh, man, I ain't done with my lyrics yet. That ain't cool. But ain't this a freestyle? No, nah, this is not yet freestyle, because we not yet free. Without a patter, we'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. 
And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission Hive vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment where in both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds.
Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and 